Good morning, everybody. It's great to see all of you. Can I just see all the hands of the parents right now? If you're a parent, can I just see your, I just want to see the hands of all the parents, okay? Can we all agree together uh, that you're not a bad parent if you've ever, ha ever had to pump yourself up to go in the house at night, okay? You're not a bad parent. We know you love your families very much. We don't judge you if you've ever had to pump yourself up to go inside at night. Uh, I can't tell you how excited uh, that I have been for our student takeover service uh, this week. And uh, I just, you get a glimpse this morning of our next gen, of uh, the, the, the students who are going to raise up and they're going to continue to carry God's kingdom into the next generation. And uh, I have just been so excited. And I don't know about you, but I thought they did an amazing job this morning. So let's give them one more big round of applause. And uh, it is our student takeover service. And so uh, there's something that I like to do every time I meet with our students on Tuesday nights at Boost. And uh, we, we kind of go over this little thing together. It's like we recite this thing together to prepare our hearts for the night. And so I thought it'd be cool since our take, student takeover service this morning, I thought it'd be cool that we do that together. Are you guys down? Yeah. We're all good? I heard the teens, but nobody else. <laughs> okay, all right. This, this is what it sounds like, okay? This, this is what it looks like right here. We do honor. You can hold on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. And I'm gonna, yeah. We do honor, we do fun, we love first, we welcome home, okay? And so I want, we're gonna say this together right now. I want you to say it loud and say it proud, okay? Let's do it. We do honor, we do fun, we love first, we welcome home. I tell them that we do honor, that we show God and we show each other honor when we are here this morning. That there's nothing that the person next to you has to say, there's no text message in the world that is more important than what God wants to say to you this morning. And so we wanna do honor, we wanna show God and the people next to us honor this morning. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 We, we do fun. Okay, I, I think that our lives as disciples or Christians, they should be exciting. They should not be boring. Okay, my dad once told me that boring people get bored. Okay, <laughs> boring people get bored. My mom, once, my mom said she actually came up with that. I see you, mom. <laughs> but our lives with God should be exciting every day. And if it is boring, we gotta take a, a long look in the mirror because we have an exciting God, right? We love first. We want to be the first ones that get our hands dirty and, and jump into people's lives and help them out. And we don't want to judge them. We want to be there for them. And we want to help them out of whatever's going on in their life. We want to love first. And we welcome home. And if you're visiting here this morning, we want you to know this is your home. That out of all the places that you could be this morning, I want you to know we are so glad that you are here. I believe there's not one, a better place in this world right now that you could be than here right now. Amen. And so I want to encourage you, since it is a, st uh, a student takeover service, uh, I want to encourage you to be vocal, okay? I'm actually running on zero hours of sleep right now, okay? Zero. I pulled an all-nighter. I thought student takeover, they pull all-nighters, I should pull an all-nighter, you know? I didn't really think that way. I got a baby at home. So pulled an all-nighter, but I would love for you guys to be vocal, okay, don't disrupt. Okay, but be vocal. If you want to say amen, say amen. Are you like, 
that's right. If you want to say that, or you can be like, holler at your boy, right? You can say whatever, it's, whatever you want to say, but encourage. I could use it this morning. I don't know about you. And so uh, before I go into anything else, I would just like to pray and get our hearts ready for this morning. Let's go ahead and bow our heads. God, thank you so much that we could be together. Thank you that we have one another here in this room. And God, we know we, we, there's nothing that we can go on in this world right now that is more important than our time to set our hearts on you. And we just want to give it all to you, God. We want to show you honor this morning. And we want to show the people next to us honor. And so thank you, God. Thank you for calling us. Thank you for these students who uh, were inspired to serve you this morning. And God, I just feel like you're going to do something great in this next generation. And I just pray that you would use our students, that you would wake in the hearts of young men and women all over the world to love you and to serve you and to make a difference in every industry for you. We love you. It's in your son's name. Amen. Well, today we're going to be wrapping up a two-part series. I like clapping for prayers. You can clap for a prayer. That's the best thing. Well, today we're wrapping up a two-part series. It's called I Got This. I Got This. And I thought there is not a more appropriate message title for a student takeover service than I Got This. Right? I mean, it's like, that is like your typical, you know, teenager, I got this. I got this, mom. I got this. You don't need to worry about it. I know. I know everything. I got this, right? So I thought it was a good message title. And, uh, and if you weren't here last week and you didn't get a chance to hear Anthony speak, I wanna just, just fill you in a little bit on what he talked about. And uh, we had these two big trees on stage last week, one tree representing life and the other tree representing death. And with the help of these two trees, we looked all the way back into the creation story and we identified different lies that the serpent gave Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And the three lies the serpent gave them were centered around the one tree that God had told them not to eat from. And so the serpent had told them that if you eat from it, you will not die. He told them, your eyes will be open. And he said, you will be like God. And we looked at the tension. We looked at this struggle for control and how every single one of us here this morning, we have this desire that we want to be in control of our lives instead of giving control and surrendering it to God. And, uh, you know, I thought it would be so cool last week. I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if we just all went home and planted like two trees in our backyard? I guess I was thinking it would just be such a cool image every single day to look in your backyard and see these two trees, that you are making a choice either to choose life or to choose death, that you are making a decision to choose wisdom or foolishness. And so, uh, you know, last week we talked about uh, surrendering to God. And so today we're going to be moving into the source of life. And last week, we kind of looked at what happens when we rely on ourselves and we choose to be independent from God. And today, uh, we're going to look at what happens when we rely on other people for the source of our life. When we rely on other people as a source of our lives. But before we do, I want, I want to take you to something that my wife and I, we love to share with our high school students. And when I share this scripture with you, all my students at least all my guys are probably going to shake their head like they know what I'm talking about because I love to share this scripture with them. And uh, it's actually something that Solomon, the wisest man to ever walk this earth besides Jesus, it's something that he said that explains so much about life and our hearts. And I want to show you, it's in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, above all else, guard your heart. 
for it is the wellspring of life. Right, guys? Yeah, you know I've said this one to you. It applies to like every life situation. It's really good, actually. You should use it sometime. In other words, what Solomon is trying to say to us is that everything I say and everything that I do flows from where? It flows from my heart. Everything I say and do flows from my heart. That every word and every action flows, flows directly from right here. From my heart. And so here's how I want to take this verse and I want to illustrate it for you this morning in an amazing way. And as you can see right here next to me on this table, I have a pitcher that is filled with red water. Okay, that's not wine. That looks like Kool-Aid, but it's actually just, you know, your simple watercolor or whatever you call that. Anyways, uh, and it just looks like an ordinary pitcher of red water, but it's not just any ordinary pitcher of water. I like to call this the love jug. Can you say that with me? Can you say that with me? The love jug. The love jug. I didn't hear too many people say it. Come on. The love jug. All right. The love jug. The love jug. I feel like I'm going to start singing a song the more I say that. The love jug. And the love jug represents our heart. It represents our heart. And so anytime you feel any emotional, excessive reliance on other people, and this is such a great illustration for you. What you do, and this is so much fun, is you pull out glasses out of your cupboard. You just go into your kitchen and start pulling out glasses. And each one of these glasses represents somebody in your life. Okay, so on this table right now, I have a glass that represents uh, a lot of the people in my life uh, this morning. Okay, and the first thing that everyone needs to learn, and, and I want to just take a sidestep here really quick and say that everything that we need to learn and know in our families, whether you are a parent whether you are single, whether you are a high school, junior high, college student this morning, is that each and every one of us is in charge of our spiritual journey. That each and every one of you is in charge of your heart. And the words that come out of my mouth and the actions that I take while I'm at work, the things that I say and what I do while I'm at school, the things that I say and what I do when I'm at home, Mike Mead is 100% responsible. I am 100% responsible. It is the first thing, if I could teach my baby daughter anything, I want her to learn this about her heart. That God has given you the responsibility. You are 100% responsible for your heart, not the people around you. You are. And God has given you that responsibility to look after your spiritual journey, to, to guard your heart, to protect it, first and foremost, because it is the wellspring of life. But then there's going to be all sorts of different people that you come into contact throughout your day, and you determine when and how much you pour into each one of these people, okay? And so again, each one of these glasses up here, it represents uh, somebody in my life, okay? And uh, the first person in my life is who? God, of course, right? I expected that. I'm just going to talk about the people in my life this morning. God is number one. He is the greatest. Amen. And so God is number one, but I want to talk about my wife. And in, in, in this glass right here, this, this glass is my wife. You see this? Right? I thought maybe this wasn't appropriate to bring in church today, but this is a lighthouse glass right here, right? Yeah. But this, I think this glass represents my wife. Okay. If you know what I mean, champagne glass, right? I'm just kidding. Not funny. All right. Never mind. This is my wife. This is my wife. And every single morning, 
that I wake up, I get ready for the day and I have the privilege of pouring into my wife and I love it. I love it. Actually, I read recently that the average man speaks about 7,000 words a day. I thought that was generous, honestly. I thought 7,000 words, that's a lot, right? And the average woman speaks about, what do you think? 20,000 words a day, almost three times the amount of a man, right? But man, men, they speak about 7,000 words a day. And so am I just, I'm, just, I'm just pouring my words into my wife, pouring my words. Oh, it's closed. Okay, that's not symbol, symbolic of my relationship. Just pouring into my wife, just pouring into her. I love filling it up. She's awesome. I love filling up that relationship. I always love to give to my wife. It is an honor and a privilege. She is a gift from God to me. And then about three years after we got married, I said, you know what? I think our life is missing something. I think we're missing something. We need something that brings us joy and energy and excitement that keeps things flowing around the house, right? And so we need to have kids, right? I think it's time to have kids. And so my beautiful wife and I just gave birth to our daughter. And uh, actually, I didn't give birth. My wife gave birth. And uh, I was just there supporting her, kind of watching from the side. Didn't want to see too much. But my wife, my wife, uh, she just gave birth to our daughter, uh, Hannah Yoko Mead. And you thought, see, you thought I wasn't going to say anything. Because I knew a lot of you were going to be like, he's going he's to show a picture. And I have to show you a picture, right? That's my daughter right there. That's my daughter. Every time I look at her, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a dad. It is the most amazing feeling. I can't even put into words uh, just how much I can love this little girl already. And uh, for obvious reasons, Ayumi and the baby couldn't be here this morning. But uh, Hannah, she's, she's on FaceTime. Awesome. And uh, <laughs> I'm glad she's here to support me this morning. And... Um, you know, my, my daughter, although she is only five days old, uh, she's actually very active on social media. And so she wanted to actually send you guys a video this morning, uh, a simple message to you. And so I have like a little 20 minute, 20 minute, 20 uh, second clip, 20 minutes. I told you I got no sleep last night, 20 seconds. So I wanna, she wants to meet you guys. And so I'm gonna let you see this really quick. Selfie. Look at that smile. Ah, yeah. Then check this out at the end right here. Check this out. Oh. What was that? I probably cleaned it up right after. Yep. And uh, even though she really doesn't do much of anything for our family yet, she just eats and poops and sleeps and cries and doesn't really add anything to our household except for a lot of joy uh, and a lot of uh, just happiness and, and laughing. And uh, I can't tell you how much I love this little girl already. 
Uh, she's just so amazing. I love her so much. And I love my daughter. I love my daughter and I love to pour my, my love uh, into my daughter. It's one of the favorite things I have now in my life is pouring into her. And, uh, and you see the glass right next to that. And uh, that's my parents right there. That glass represents uh, my mom and dad who are both here today. And I can honestly say that I love my parents greatly. And uh, my mom, she's awesome. She's, you know, uh, she has learned the great balance of like uh, being caring, but not being overbearing. You get what I'm saying? Like she's awesome. She wants to help and serve. But you know, it's, she's like very aware, like, hey, whatever you need, you know? Like she's just very awesome in that way. Uh, and I love my mom, she's great. And my dad, my dad is just like the coolest dad in the world. Okay, I'm sorry about all of you, but I probably have the coolest dad. And uh, he's just an incredible guy. And I looked up to him. Actually growing up, I wanted to look just like my dad. And uh, it didn't happen. I had blonde hair and blue eyes. I was like, what the heck happened to me, right? But, um, but he is a great guy. And I love my parents so much. And so uh, I pour into my parents right here. I pour into them and they still get a good amount of my time, I hope, right? And so I pour into my parents. I love pouring in to my parents. And then if you look over here, I got this, uh, this, this little tiny uh, shot glass right here. And this represents my mother-in-law. And I give her just a little bit. There you go, right? That's about it. I don't speak Japanese, so that's about all I can give her is like, konnichiwa. You know, like, I'm just like, telling her, like, hey, it's great to meet you. It's good to see you again. That's about all I can do. Uh, but I just give her a little bit. And then we, you know, and then we go to work and we go to school every day and we got bosses and we got teachers and they have expectations of us. And so we're pouring into these people, right? And then for some of you, you sit next to somebody in your class or in the cubicle right next to you, you got that person and they just like, they suck the life like right out of you. They're just like, they're just like pulling everywhere. They're just, they're just taking it all right out of you. And all day long, we're pouring into other people around us. And consequently, look at what's happened to my jug, my love jug. This is why I love this illustration so much because it shows that throughout my day, my love jug is beginning to run low. It's beginning to run low. And by the end of the day, many of us are approaching empty. And for some of us, it might be empty and we're running on fumes by the time we get home. And here's what we need to understand. As I pour into all these people, uh, as I pour into all these people, you have to ask yourself the question, what is actually uh, flowing out of you? What is it that's actually flowing out of you? What is it that's actually flowing out of me? In fact, there was this time when Jesus was being questioned about his disciples due to the fact that they weren't eating their food. Uh, they were eating their food with unwashed hands. And so uh, they're talking to Jesus and they told him, hey, I can't believe that you dishonor the elders, Jesus, because your disciples, they don't wash their hands before they eat. And anytime anybody challenges Jesus, it's like, oh, get ready for it. Get ready for it. And so look what he says here, Matthew chapter 15. And look what he says about our hearts and what flows out of us. Don't you see that whatever you eat passes through the stomach and then out of the body? I've seen that many times the last five days, actually. <laughs> it's a great, it's a, yeah. 
But the words you speak come from the heart. The words that you speak come from your heart. That's what defiles you. For from your heart, from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. All words and all actions come from our heart. These are what defile you. You see, Jesus is saying that our actions and our words are flowing directly from our hearts and that we are responsible for what comes out of it. We are 100% responsible of what comes out of our hearts. But here's what I want to look at today and spend just a little bit of time with you talking about this morning. And it's this word right here. It's this word. What does that say? Codependency. Codependency. And the reason we're focusing in on this word is because codependency is sitting around with an almost empty or empty love jug expecting for all these people to pour back into you. You have poured all you have into these people and now you're sitting here and you're wondering, when are they going to pour back into me? You're thinking, I have given so much. I have given you so many of my words. I have given you my time and my energy. I have given you my resources. Now, why are you not pouring back into me? I'm waiting for you to pour back into my life. And so let me give you a simple definition of codependency. Codependency is plugging into people, places, or things as the source of life. You are plugging into people, places, or things as the source of life. And we begin to wait and expect and depend on other people around us to fill us up. And so what I wanna do is give you some examples of this because I want you to see what this looks like in each and every one of our lives. And I'm gonna start with this little champagne glass right here, my lovely Japanese princess, Ayumi. And uh, you know, when my, and check this out, check this out. When my spouse is my source of life, I blame her as the source of our problems. When my spouse is the source of life, I blame her as a source of our problems. I begin to want her to change and I try to control her and I try to manipulate her into my image. And this hit home so hard for me about a month ago when I realized that my wife was constantly saying sorry to me over like the littlest stuff. And I realized that I have made her feel like it's always her fault. And it hurt. And when I saw that, I'm like, what am I doing? What am I, how am I treating her that makes her feel like she always has to say she's sorry to me? Why does she feel like she has to apologize every time something, just not even a big deal happens? And that really hurt. But let me ask you a question to all the married people in here this morning. How many of you are married to someone who is just completely different than you? Raise your hand. Okay. Right. Many of us, and if you're not raising your hand, I might disagree with you. But it is possible, right? It is possible. You see, what ends up happening a lot of times is that you completely waste your time most days, like I do, trying to make her more like me, trying to make him more like you. And I'm waiting for her to conform and for her to change and for her to say all the right things that I want her to say the way I want her to say them. 
And so here I am spending all this time hoping that she will pour back into me and now I'm stuck. And here's how I would define being stuck, okay? When I'm blaming my spouse as the source of my problem and I'm also setting her up to be the solution. She's my problem, but she's also my solution. And until she changes, I cannot enjoy my life because I'm an incomplete person. And this is exactly what a codependent person does. Let me give you an example. It's a little bit funnier and maybe you can relate to this. Uh, Ayumi can't even begin watching a movie, okay, until I am fully engaged with watching the movie with her, okay. Because for me, watching a movie is like, let me check ESPN really quick and what's going on in this game. And I got a couple emails and so the movie's playing, but I'm kind of like doing my own little thing over here. And it just drives her crazy. You know, she doesn't like it. It's just so exhausting for her. But here I'm thinking, I'm like, what's the big deal? What's the big deal, right? Now, the funny thing is I've noticed her doing it recently too. And it's starting to bother me. And I was like, hey, I started this. Why is it bothering me, right? The, ta- the, ta- the tables have completely turned on me. And uh, because we'll be watching a movie that is like one of those movies that has a lot of words in the beginning and it's explaining like the whole background, right? And so there's all this print on the screen and she's totally not reading it. And I'm like, hey, look, read, you gotta read, look at the screen right now. You gotta read what's going on. You gotta read it quick. And she knows this bugs me. She knows. And so she'll take her sweet time. She'll be like, you know, looking up at the screen, all slow. And as the words are slowly fading down the screen, she says, what did it say? I'm like, ah, oh, it said six years later. Now you're gonna be behind the whole movie, right? Or we'll be watching a movie and something will happen and she'll go, oh, hey, what just happened? And I'm like, oh, so I have to like, you know, press pause. I gotta pause the movie, right? There was an explosion in outer space at the space station, right? And a big piece of metal broke off and hit the space shuttle and now they're stuck. Oh my gosh, what are they gonna do? I don't know. I'm not an astronaut, but I bet if we keep watching the movie, right? We'll know how to fix the space shuttle and next time, if we need that information, we'll have it, right? I mean, this just completely wears both of us out. It's kind of funny. Or, or maybe you grew up in a home that taught, taught you that saving money is like putting money away for a rainy day. And uh, maybe for your wife, she grew up in a home that was taught that savings is the difference between the actual price and the sales price of a piece of clothing, right? And so what I've realized is that my wife and I, we're completely different. We're completely different people. And so for me to spend my time trying to change her and and manipulate her and to fix her, I end up making her the source of my life and I blame her for all the problems when it doesn't go my way. And I'm telling you, the best thing that we could do is just resign as manager of the universe and of our spouses, okay? Just resign, let it go, okay? I'm not gonna sing that song. Okay, let it go. And for some of you right now, the energy is just being completely drained from your marriage and you're exhausted because that's what codependency does. It drains you. 
When I'm trying to keep control of myself and my wife, I end up thinking, hey, why am I not getting anything back? Why am I not getting anything poured back into me? And the truth is I have set my wife up to be the source of life because she needs to fix something. And until she fixes that something, I am not gonna be happy. I'm gonna be incomplete. But then it moves into our next class, which for many of us is our children, right? And when my children are the source of life, I use them to what? I use them to impress other people. When my children are the source of life, I use them to impress other people. What other reason is there for Facebook, right? This is why Facebook exists. I get to go on and tell you all about my little daughter, Hannah, right? And show you how great and how cute she is every single day of the week. I mean, we are, we are constantly, you know, uh, we, what we need is like we go on social media and we start posting all these things. And you gotta understand that social media is like putting your best foot forward. It's like putting out your highlight reel, okay? Because really what you're doing is you're basically giving the best spin that you can about your children. Nobody sees all the other stuff. They just see all the highlights, all the really good stuff. But vanity parenting can begin to sneak in when we use our children as the source of our lives. And we use their attributes, we use their accomplishments, we use their grades and their athletic performances. And we try to impress other people. We're constantly comparing our children to other kids and we're raising the bar for them because we want them to be successful at everything they do, you know? And you see this, especially like in a, in, a, in a little league, right? The last place team, right? What do they get? They get trophies, right? They came in last place, but they still get trophies because we as parents, we want them so badly to be successful. We want them to be successful. And, uh, and, and what ends up happening is we kind of fall into this faulty input-output theory of parenting that says whatever you put into child will come out of the child, right? And I think for many of us, the saddest thing that I see with a lot of parents is that they take way too much credit or they take way too much blame for what's going on in their children's life. And mom and dad, there are some of you who are raising little kids right now, but then there are some of you who have adult children and they've kind of drifted out there a little bit and you're beating up yourself because you've made some mistakes. And you gotta understand that you're just, a, you're a human being. And we all make mistakes and you can't keep beating yourself up over it. And you can see this, even in the way we discipline our kids, sometimes I feel like it's more about us than it is about them. And it becomes more about our egos instead of what's best for our children. And as much as we love our kids, we have to come to grip with the fact that they are not the source of life. They are not the source of life. As much as I love my daughter, she is not the center of everything. I'm sorry, honey. I'm sorry, Diana. You're not the center of my life. You're a part of this family, but I will not make you number one. That is, that is, that is the reality. And when they do become the source of our life, we begin using them to impress other people. And we want to use their attributes and their accomplishments to pour back into us so that we can look successful as parents. So that we can have a good self-image. Or how about your parents, right? When my parents are my source of life, I make decisions based on how they think and feel. And it's interesting because there are really two sides to this one point. And the one side of it, it's your parents' approval. 
I think no matter how old you get, there's always a part of us that wants our parents' approval. It's that feeling you get when you go home every single Christmas because you know that's what your mom wants you to do, right? And she has been planning Christmas since last Christmas, right? <laughs> she has the meal order and she has the whole, like, the, the whole placemats. Everything is already laid out, ready to go. It's only August, but she's ready for Christmas, right? And you know, you know that, that that's what's waiting for you. Or, or honey, maybe your wife's saying, do you have, we need a new car, right? And you're saying, and this is what I am saying a lot, hey, I need to call my dad, okay? Before I make any important decisions in my life, let me call my dad really quick. And she's like, well, we're a big boy and we're a big girl. Like we can make some decisions like in our lives. And, and, I, and don't get me wrong, I love getting advice from my dad because he's been through a lot more than I've been through. And I think his advice and his wisdom can help me a lot. But then there are certain things when it comes to my marriage where I need to be a man and I need to make certain decisions for my family. And stop relying on other people or my parents to make decisions or shying away from conflict, you know? And so there's definitely that approval side in our relationships with our parents, but then there's the other side that is attached to your home or maybe you're attached to your family through anger. Maybe it's not approval, maybe it's anger for you. Maybe the way you were raised and the way your mom and dad had treated you growing up has left you angry. And they abandoned you. And as a result, you have so much bitterness and rage and hurt in your heart. And so you decide that I'm going to make decisions opposite of the approval so that I can just get them back. I want to get them back. And your mom and dad become your source of life because you are just waiting on them to pour back into you. You are waiting on them to pour back into you. And for some of you right now, the source of your life is your boss, right? The source of your life is your boss. I mean, he or she just consumes you. And as you lay down at night, and you start to fall asleep, all of a sudden you think about the meeting or the conversation that you had earlier that day. And in the back of your mind, you know that the meeting and the conversation didn't really go the way that you had hoped it would go. And it's like around 11 or maybe midnight and all of a sudden something just pops into your mind, right? Oh, if I had only said this, and if I only done it a little bit differently, like things probably would have worked out so much better in my favor. Or things may have worked out better. And the truth is that person is consuming you because it is an excessive emotional reliance on another person. And personally, I wanted to share one just like really personal example uh, from my life. And this is what it looks like for me. When my ministry, you could put your job here, but when my ministry is the source of life, my self-esteem is connected to how people are doing spiritually. This is a huge one for me. I mean, I can be at midweek one week and I'm like, oh, it was awesome. This was a great, it was a great night and I feel so good and I feel like things are going great. And then the next week things don't go the way I hoped. And I feel like I'm the worst leader in the world. And then maybe there was a conversation that didn't go my way. And even last week, you know, we had teen camp and, and there's no other place that I would want to be in the world than with my daughter when she was born. But there's that little part of me that's like inside of me that's going like, you should be up there. Like they're not going to think of you the same anymore because you weren't up there. Or like I get these random thoughts that pop into my mind. Right? And I felt myself with Ralph and Lucy. And by the way, Ralph and Lucy, there was not one other couple that I would entrust our students to than them. They're an amazing couple. Uh, but I found myself down here 
wanting to text them going, like, watch out for this person or like, look at this situation. Like, don't let this happen. And I had to like stop and go, you know what? I can't do this. I'm still trying to hold on to control. I trust God that he has it in control. I trust that Ralph and Lucy are more than capable of handling whatever comes up. And so I didn't send one text that week other than pictures of my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's, again, that's codependency because I am relying on people, places, or things as my source of life. And here's the bottom line. If you don't get anything else out of the message this morning, uh, if nothing else stands out to you, here's the one thing that I hope that you would leave with. And it's this. That's the bottom line, actually. I don't know if you knew that. The bottom line. No. God is my source of life, not you. Right? God is the source of my life, not you. Right? I get the amazing opportunity to pour into people every day of my life. I get to pour into these students. I get to pour into my wife, my child, my family, and the people around me. And what amazing privilege that is. And I don't have to live with an expectation that it's time for you to fill me back up. And what I need to realize and what you need to realize is that God is the source of life, not anyone else. And John says something that is so groundbreaking in 1 John, which is a letter that he wrote to a group of Christians. And in this letter, John reveals to us, okay, how we can know who the source really is in our lives. Look at this. It is amazing. 1 John chapter 4, verse 15. He says, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely. Amen. We rely on the love God has for us. We don't rely on my, my wife. I don't rely on my daughter. I don't rely on my parents. I don't rely on my ministry. I don't li rely on anybody else. I rely on the love that God has for me. That's what I am relying on. And he goes on to say in verse 19, we love because he first loved us. In other words, no matter how hard I try and no matter how hard you try, no matter how much time and energy that we put into these glasses right here, you and I can never create or generate love. We can only receive it. We receive it. And the only reason that we can now pour that love into others is because he has and he is still pouring into each and every one of us every single day. That is why it's so important for us to be reading our Bibles, to be spending time with God. Because you need to be being filled up by God. And he is the one and only source of life. And the best part of it all is that it is an unlimited supply. It is like a lifetime supply of love. And you don't ever have to wonder if it's there because it's always going to be there. And God always has more than enough for you and for me. These glasses, they're all limited. But God is not limited. He is the true source of life. Yet somehow we live with this idea Many of us live with this idea as I close out our message this morning. It's going just a few minutes longer. But we live with this idea that we don't have enough. It kind of, kind of reminds me of the morning that we were, me and you were watching television and we found out that Twinkie was going bankrupt, right? 
Twinkie is going bankrupt. Do you remember that? I mean, I hadn't even eaten a Twinkie in like 10 years, okay? I don't even like Twinkies, but there was a part of me that was like, I need to go to the store. I need to buy Twinkies right now because I know that there is a, not a, there is a limited supply of Twinkies left, right? <laughs> Just something in me like wanted to go buy Twinkies. I'm like, Ayumi, let's go to the store right now. She's like, what? I'm like, yep. But once you understand that God is your source of life and you've, and you've lived connected to him through the son, Jesus, you have an unlimited supply. And uh, I think this is fun. How many of you have ever heard of the love languages here this morning? Love languages, right? Very popular concept, right? Your love language is basically the way that you give and that you receive love. So for example, my, li- my wife, she has two love languages, not just one, but two, right? It's quality uh, time and acts of service, which means I serve her for long periods of time. That's basically what that comes out to, right? <laughs> God, on the other hand, this is so amazing. Don't miss this. God has only one love language and his name is Jesus. That is it. That is it. He has one love language and it is Jesus. He is the only way. It is the only way that you can receive and give love. He is the way, the truth, the life. There is no other way to the Father but through Him. Your spouse is not your source. Your wife is not your source. Your wife, your parents, the person you like or the person that you're dating, these people are not the source of your life. And so today you have been given the freedom. Okay, you have been given the freedom to fire the person that you are sitting next to as your source of life. Okay, and I promise you that this will set you free. But I thought this would be fun to close out our message this morning to do together. So if everyone could just please raise their right hand. Everybody raise your right hand. Everybody, everybody. I'm looking at you if you're not, right? (laughs) Raise your right hand, okay? I want you to repeat after me. I. I. State your name. Okay, don't, like your name. Yeah. Let's let's start over again. I. I. All right. Resign as general manager of the universe and my spouse and my kids and my parents. And some of you are like, am I in the club now? Right? You don't want to be a part of the club? Okay, you can put your hands down. That's it. Now I want you to turn to the person next to you and I want you to say it with passion. And I want you to say it like you mean it. You say, you're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You are no longer my source from this point forward. You will no longer drain the life out of me. I get it now because I am drained and exhausted and I'm getting ready to go to the true one and only source that fills me up. And for those of you here this morning, it's my last thing, I promise. It's my last thing I want to share with you. Some of you feel like this morning that you got nothing left. I mean, you are bone dry. And you feel like you have nothing left to give. You're thinking, my work has drained me out. My marriage or my ex-marriage, it's drained me out. It's drained me of everything I have. I've talked, I haven't talked to my parents for years because they have drained it out of me, Mike, what do I, what I have left is not clear. And if I'm honest with you, what I have left is dark. 
and it's nasty and it's gross and it's bitter. And what you have been pouring into other people is toxic. It's poison. Because unresolved conflict, check this out, unresolved conflict is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to get sick. It's like drinking poison, expecting that the other person is gonna get sick. And I love how Paul, he closes, and we're closing out this verse. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. How do I forgive my parents who have hurt me and who have abandoned me? How do I forgive my spouse who has mistreated me? How do I forgive my adult children who have run off and neglected our relationship and they're making foolish decisions with their life and they want nothing to do with me? How do I forgive that, Mike? Just as God through Christ has given, forgiven you. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. This is what I love because for some of you right now, what you need in your relationships is right here. Maybe it's your parents and you're thinking, maybe I will forgive them when they say it this way or when they do this for me, maybe I will think about forgiving my parents at that point. Listen, your parents, they are not your source of life. They are not your source of life, okay? And you get to honor and forgive your parents because they are not the source of your life. You don't have to wait and to hear I'm sorry for you to forgive. We get to forgive just as Christ forgave each and every one of us. And so I'm praying that you will be set free this morning as I pray for you. And so what I would like to do is pray to close out our morning together. And before I do, I want you to just kind of think about this question right here as we pray. Who is my source of life right now? Who is my source of life right now? Who am I relying on for my life? Is it my spouse? Is that why we're having so many challenges in our marriage? Has it been my kids? Is, it, is that why I've been so paranoid about them getting into the right college and being so successful? Am I being held back by other areas of my life because my mom and dad, or am I relying on my girlfriend or my boyfriend as my source of life? And as you think about that question, it's time for God to be the source of your life not them. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. And uh, God, I pray more than any, it's so easy to stand up here and talk about something, but it's so hard to really put it into practice. Uh, God, we don't want to be people who look in a mirror and then walk away and forget what we have learned and forget what we have looked like. But God, we want to walk away this morning and we want to grow our relationships. God, we want to be healed. God, we want to be forgiven and we want to forgive others, God. And we want to move forward because you are the source of life, not anybody else, Father. It is you and it's always been you. And forgive us for putting our, our, our time and our source of our life into other things. God, we just want, we just want the one and only the one that can give it to us, the one that can provide and who's never gonna run short. God, thank you for Jesus who sacrificed his life for each and every one of us. And thank you for all of our students. I love our students. Use them powerfully, God, to shake this world and to make an impact in their generation. We love you. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Amen. You guys have a great, great rest of your day.